This morning I titled my message, Reversal of Circumstances. I maybe could have called it The Great Switch. A couple different titles I could have given it. I wish I would have called it The Great Switch, but uh, you'll see what I mean as we enter into Luke chapter 16. We're going to be reading from verses 19 through 31 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to, the, to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. There's the great switch. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rise from the dead. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of His Holy Word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You once again for, for Your love and Your mercy. We thank You that You do pour into our lives and that You pour Your Spirit into us to guide us and direct us. And Father, may Your Spirit truly be present today. Lord, in this place and in the, every place where this Word goes today, Lord, may Your Spirit go. May Your truth be proclaimed. And Father, may we all grow in our love and our understanding of you and understanding of your word. And Father, I just pray that you would again just manifest your presence today, Lord, where your people are, not just here, but all who are gathered, Lord God, in your name. May your presence be. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. You know, most of us have probably been taught early on in our Christian lives that there are times to make sure that we get a correct understanding to understand a passage in its true context, that we often have to read the passages that precede it and those that follow a particular passage to make sure we aren't misinterpreting or taking it out of context. And I think today's passage in Luke 16 is one that could be easily misunderstood if we didn't look before also. Luke uh, 16 verses 13 through 15 says, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, 
also heard these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are of those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So they were, he knew that they were lovers of money. There's these <clears throat> supposed to be the religious leaders, but they were lovers of money. They honored it and sought after it more than God. <clears throat> now, some commentators will look at this passage as a parable. They say that it is a parable. So, but there, I believe that there is evidence to go both ways in this passage. Uh, some say that you know this is just a story, a likeness of what it might be. But oftentimes when Jesus begins a parable, say, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. And it is not very often, I don't know that you will find any parable where Jesus actually names, gives a, one of the characters a name, as he does here. There was a beggar named Lazarus. Now he did not name the rich man, but he says a certain rich man. So you probably could go either way, whether it is a parable or an actual story that actually happened. But the main thing is that we look at the truth. What is the truth that Jesus is trying to get across here? That's the main thing. What is the determining factor in here is that Jesus is trying to show that what we do in this life affects what happens after this life, right? Amen. You know, money is often used by Jesus and His illustrations, isn't it? You look at the talents, uh, the guys giving the money and what they do with it. And the guy told the rich man, go sell all you have and give to the poor and come follow. He often uses money. And it's a good way to test our faithfulness, isn't it? Amen. Are we going to do rightly with it? Now Jesus is not saying in this passage, just make it perfectly clear at the beginning, He's not saying that it is a sin to be rich. It's absolutely not a sin to be rich. But nor is He saying that it is a virtue to be poor. But it's how we handle what we have. Amen. It's what we do with what He has given us. The rich man, the unnamed rich man, he was said to be clothed in purple and fine linen. That is the apparel of royalty. Kings would wear purple and very fine linen. So he was a man of great wealth, a man of honor, had majesty. It says that he fared sumptuously every day. Every day he fared. The Greek meaning of sumptuously is luxuriously. So this man lived luxuriously every day of his life. Every day he lived in comfort. Mealtime at his house was like a feast every day. Amen. He fared very sumptuously every single day. You know, today we, we know that there's a, there's a lot of rich people in America. Amen. Isn't there? And they probably live similarly to this certain rich man. We know that there's celebrities, there's athletes, there's politicians that are very rich, and they probably live in luxury every single day of their lives. They, every meal is probably like a feast in their homes. But all the while, there's those that are begging for food. It's wanting, needing food. Not, not just because they want it, because they need it to live, right? The poor beggar, Lazarus. The Greek version of the Hebrew name Eleazar is what Lazarus means. It, the name means God supports, God helps. So Lazarus means God supports. Throughout Lazarus' life, 
What did he receive? No care, no help from anyone. You know, there's a very good possibility that Lazarus may have even been paralyzed or crippled because it said that he was laid at the gate. He was laid. It's almost like he had to be carried there and laid at the gate of the rich man every day. And it says that he desired to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. There is a certain helplessness attributed to Lazarus' situation. You know, it says that he longed, he desired to be fed with the crumbs. And I found a teaching that said, in those days, how do you think people in those days ate? Did they have nice silverware like we had? There were even plastic utensils? Probably not. They probably ate with these. Now, some may have had something. I don't know. But they say that most probably ate with their fingers. So you know the, the big old turkey comes by, you just grab a hunk of meat off there, right? And uh, the beans come by, you just scoop some out. So what's that going to do? It's going to create pretty messy hands, right? Pretty messy fingers. Yeah. So what they would do would use bread to wipe off their hands. They're saying that's what Lazarus was longing for. Even the bread that they used to wipe their hands off that might have a little bit of flavor of some roast turkey or roast beef on it, right? He longed for that. He didn't even have that. So all he had was pain and suffering. He had sores on his body. It's almost like there's a helpless that he couldn't even shoo the dogs away from licking his sores. And the rich man sure didn't come out and shoo the dogs away from him, did he? So his life on this side of heaven was nothing but suffering, pain, hunger. Acts 14.22 says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Friends, on this side of heaven, there may be much tribulation, there may be much suffering, there may be much pain, but we must endure till we reach that other side. The time came, as it will come for all, that Lazarus died and was carried to the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man also died, unlike Lazarus, was delivered to Hades, or that side of torment, we should say. You know, it says that the rich man was buried, but it does not say that Lazarus was buried, does it? The rich man was buried because he was wealthy. He probably had a grand funeral when many of his friends would come. But Lazarus, it says, died and was carried to the bosom of Abraham. Do you know what they did with the very poor people back in that day when they died? They carried them outside the city to the dump and just threw their bodies into the dump. What a way to go. Just thrown into the dump. So the one who lived in comfort and luxury was now living in torment in Hades, enduring great pain and suffering, while Lazarus who lived in pain and suffering while on earth, is now comforted. Friends, there is the great switch. They traded places, didn't they? Why did they switch? Why did the rich man now have to go through torment and suffering? As I said, it wasn't because he was rich. It was because every day, every day he could look out there and see Lazarus laying at his gate, laying there begging for the crumbs. And he did absolutely nothing not one thing to comfort him. Not one thing to help take away his pain. Not one thing. He didn't feed him. Didn't he take him that crumb 
that he might feel a little bit full in his belly. He didn't even have to go out looking for needy to help them because he laid right at his gate. Remember Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. You know how true is that even today? We had the poor with us today. They had the poor. They had the beggars back then. I don't, you know, if it was like today, he would have had a sign. I'm hungry. Please give me the crumbs from your table, right? You know, today we see people everywhere. They have their signs. Some will say, I'm a retired vet. Need help. Support your troops. Some will say, I, work, I will work for food. Some will say, traveling and stuck. Need help. Some will just be brutally honest and say, I'm not lying, I need a beer. <laughs> Some of them will. The signs will even say, I need a beer. There's no sense lying. Some will just say, I'm in need. Could you help? And you know, I know that we've, we've talked about this before. And some will say, you know, some of these people, they're just they're professional beggars. They get out of their nice homes, get in their nice car, and they drive downtown, park their cars, and they get walking several blocks. They put on their beggar's outfit, and they go and sit and beg all day. Well, friends, it's tax-free money. It's cash, right? So there are those that are professional beggars. That's just what they do. They go and try to get money from people instead of working. They go home at night, it's like, boy, I had a rough day begging, right? But there are those that are truly in need. There are those that truly need our help. We don't know what has landed them in that situation. Lost their jobs, maybe medical bills that are sky high that landed them into you know, bankruptcy and losing everything. We don't know what has put them in that situation. And you, how can you know? How can you know which ones are legitimately in need and those that are the con men? Well, unless you have a lot of time on your hand and want to go do a stakeout, and see where they go. Come on, who has time for that, right? That's right? So if God places someone in your path that appears to be in need, wouldn't you rather err on the side of compassion? Amen. Wouldn't you rather err right. on the side of generosity? If God places a Lazarus in your path, be generous. Be generous. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that, will, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, listen to this, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. I've got that circled in my notes. Let's circle that in our hearts. Let's do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I think the key word in this one little word is for he who sows to his flesh. Who sows to his flesh who is selfish, who only cares about himself or herself, you will reap what you sow. Right. right? The rich man completely ignored Lazarus at his gate. He was only concerned for himself. He sowed to satisfy self and no one else. 
So the sin that landed him in Hades in torment was a sin of omission. It is what he did not do. That's right. Now, I don't know why as I was preparing this and thinking of this, I thought of Charles Dickens and the Christmas Carol. I know it's the wrong time of the year, but you think he might have read this passage when he came up with the Christmas Carol? You know, old stingy, all ball humbug, Ebenezer Scrooge. All he cared about was himself and his money. But he had those dreams of Christmas past and Christmas present, Christmas future. You wonder if the rich man would have seen his future. Our passage said that the rich man, while in Hades, he looked up and saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham and cried out to him. Now don't get all tangled up and wonder, well, can you really see the other side if you're in there? Can you see what's going on? Can you see someone comforted if you're in that place of torment? Don't get all hung up on that. Let's don't miss the point, right? But you know, it kind of would be a poetic justice if that person in torment that didn't help someone could see that one in comfort, isn't it? Wouldn't it be? Yes, it would be. That could be, could be truth. It could be part of their torment. There's that one that I, I refuse to help. Could be poetic justice. But the thing that we make sure that we understand is God is using this description to describe the difference between the destiny of those that are saved and those that are unsaved. Those that are righteous and those that are unrighteous. That's the main point. Don't go down this bunny trail or that bunny trail, but make sure we get the point that there is a difference. And friends, we get to choose. Amen. We get to choose heaven or hell. Hades is a real place. It's described as a shadowy place, a place of darkness, a place in the lower parts of the earth. And we don't want to go there, but we get to choose. There is one thing that is absolutely clear. Whether this is a true story or a parable, Jesus is getting this point apart, uh, across. That it will be a place of torment. It will be a place of suffering. You will have no friends there. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you think, well, I'm just going to take my chances and go to, go to hell or go to Hades, go to that place, there will be no friends there. I've heard people say, well, I'm just going to go to hell and be with all my friends. No, you won't. There will be no friends. No friends whatsoever. So the rich man became the beggar, begging Father Abraham, just let him dip his finger, let him dip his finger in the cool water and cool the tip of my tongue. The man who wouldn't give Lazarus a crumb from his table is now begging that his tongue would be cold. You can't go from there to here. You cannot do that. There's no going back. There's no second chance. You know, the Old Testament gives us an amazing example of what the rich man should have done. So now, make sure you understand that. This is what the rich man should have done. 2 Samuel 9, 1-7 Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when he had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone at the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness Show the kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan 
who was lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, in Lo-Debar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, from Lo-Debar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said to Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and I will restore to you all of the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Every day. He returned to Mephibosheth all of the land that was his father's grandfather's. Remember, he was a king. So he was now a wealthy man. He returned all of that wealth to him, returned the land, and said, now you will eat at my table every single day. So every day, now Mephibosheth was going to feast at the king's table. My friends, is this not what the rich man should have done with Lazarus? He should have said, come into my house and eat at my table. It is said of David in Acts 13, 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will. My friends, it is God's will that we would be generous Amen. with what he has given us. It's God's will that we would help those in need, those that are suffering and those that are in pain. So we have to learn from the conduct of the rich man that he was selfish, he was only concerned about his own welfare. We've learned where that land landed him, right? In Hades, in torment. Did he have any warnings that could have prevented him from going there? Well, when Abraham said to him, no one can go from this side to the other side. No one can go and warn your brothers. They have Moses and the prophets. Well, friends, he also had Moses and the prophets. He had his warnings, but he rejected God. He rejected God. Jesus is used in this story to speak to the Pharisees. Speak to them. You need to turn from your own selfish ways. You have to make the choice. You have to make the choice to love God, serve Him, love others. Be generous with what God has given you. That's the main point. What we do with what we have is going to make a determination of where we spend eternity. And there is a difference. There is a difference. We need to learn from the example of the rich man. My friends, we have, today we have a witness from heaven, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit that is with us. We also have this right here, don't we? We have this right here to teach us how we should live and what we should do with what we have. If we will not hear from men, we can hear from this, right? Amen. We can hear from this. That's His intent here. He doesn't want us to go to that place of torment. That's right. He wants us to be comforted. It's God's will that all men would come unto Him and be saved. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. What an impression this should leave on our hearts, right? A vivid picture of what hell is like. Pain and suffering and torment. My friends... 
If we do not make the choice for Jesus Christ on this side of heaven, once we die, which it's given unto men once to die, and after that the resurrection, there's no second chance. There's no second chance. You can't go from there. You can't go warn others. It's a done deal. When it finally comes, it's irreversible. And you finally cross that line to the other side. You know, death wins the battle every time. So that leaves us with the Word of God. Do we believe it to be true? We can find abundant answers in there about life. We can find abundant answers about the truth and who holds the truth. And we know it's Jesus Christ. Amen. Hebrews 9, 27, 28 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Amen. Apart from sin for salvation. My friends, when it comes to death, it's true. 100 out of 100 people will eventually die. You know that? How <laughs> I many we got here? You know, a thousand out of a thousand are going to die eventually. Unless the Lord returns before we die and we're called to meet Him. But if the Lord does not come before we, we, before we die, we will die. There's going to be some kind of a sickness, disease, or death is going to touch us all unless the Lord returns. But once we breathe our last, there's no choosing to be done then. We must choose Christ now, while we have breath, while we're on this side of heaven. That's the point Jesus is making. The rich man made the wrong choices in his life. Did not do the right things with what God has given him. My friend, God has not given us all the things He has given us just for our own pleasure, for our own self just to make ourselves feel good. But He's blessed us that we can bless others. As we sang in the song, He pours into us that we can pour into the lives of others. So we could pour into them, you know, the, the material blessings that He's given us, the knowledge that He's given us, the love that He's given us, everything that God pours into us, let's just let it flow right on through and out to others to the Lazaruses that He puts in our paths. Let us help them. Let us bless them that we will be comforted and not tormented in suffering. Amen?